Okay, so I'm gonna attempt to do this. I wasn't expecting all of that beforehand, but you know, we're gonna roll with it. But the topic that I wanna deal with today is will we give it all to God? I want us to get very, very comfortable with God. Sometimes we're not comfortable with him. We're not comfortable with his presence. We're not comfortable talking to him. But I want us to get comfortable. I want us to be okay with our humanity. That our humanity and our spirituality meet each other and they embrace. I want us to stop running from our humanness and embrace it like Christ embraced his. Like the men and women of the Bible did. They did not run from their humanness. They didn't try to be bigger than being human and try to be God, but oftentimes we act like we have to go into a role of being anything other than what we are. And God knows we're frail human beings, full of his spirit, yet we're frail. And without him, this race is not gonna be one. But we've got to let the both meet each other so that we can grow. Until we can come to God and meet him in a just as I am encounter. Not trying to clean it up, not trying to fix it up, but this is just me. And I need and I expect God to meet me just right now where I am. We will never begin to embrace how much God really loves and adores us. It is in that encounter that our lives are transformed. We're not transformed when we get it together ourselves. When we come to him saying, well, I stopped doing this and I stopped doing that, and now I got it all together, now you can come into my life. We get transformed when you say, I am a mess. I am a wreck. Now meet me here, because that's where I need the transformation to happen. I don't want you to just tra uh, conform to church and conform to what we think religion is, but I want you to be transformed by him. That is you becoming something other than what you are today. But you cannot do that on your own. You need God to do that for you. We can start the path, but he has to do the miraculous stuff himself. And we only get that miraculous stuff when we step into his presence. And we let his presence do something that we can never ever do. Yet we have to trust and believe that he will do it in his presence because we often run from it because it feels kind of scary. And it's like, what you about to do with me? I don't really want to move that way. I would prefer just to sit in my seat. Could you do it with me just sitting? Do I have to fall on the floor? Do I have to roll? Do I have to cry? Do I have to get ugly with you? And he's like, yeah, because I need you to come out of you and be willing to throw yourself on the altar of me. Because I cannot fix myself. Only he can fix me. Only he can love me so deeply that transformation occurs. God is not pleased with business as usual. He is not impressed because we get dressed. We drive over the highways and we sit in the pew for a few hours. He wants more and he wants all of you. He wants your anger and your distrust, your pain and your disappointment, your bitterness and your fear, your sins and your shames, your rejection and your abuse, he wants you to come to him just as you are and lay at his feet. He wants you. 
I want you to see him looking at you with love. Because you have to ask yourself, when God looks at you, what is he thinking? Is he thinking, wow, I'm in love with her. I'm in love with him. Or does he look at you and you think he's thinking, dang, could they get it together quickly? How long? You've got to see him looking at you with love and compassion and tenderness and mercy and grace. You've got to see him looking at you, wanting you. Because as long as you think he don't want you, and he's doing this just because he may have to, you're never going to get where you need to get with him. This is a choice he made, just like it's a choice you have to make. It's no force involved. I want you to see him weeping because you keep rejecting him. And I know I mentioned that last night, but I really want you to see him sad. Take the mad Jesus away from your mind. He's sad. He don't want to hurt you. He just want to love you and make it right. He doesn't want to punish you. He really wants to heal you. He wants you to change so that you can live with him for forever. That's why the change has to occur. Because he's only accepting what he wants in eternity. But he's going to love us into what he wants. That's the beauty of it. He's not leaving us on our own and saying, you figure it out. He said, if you just grab my hand, I'm going to walk you through the transformation. I'm going to show you how to get where I want you to go. But could you grab the hand? Could you stop shutting me out? Could you stop lying and saying you believe and trust me? And you know I'm a fixing and you know good and well you don't believe that? I want you to realize that you are always welcome in his presence. Always welcome. He wants you there. In aiding you with this process, I want to give you another tool in the process of getting free and learning to trust and be free with God, to take your belief in God to a for sure knowing of God. Are you comfortable with expressing your hurt and your anger and your pain to God? Do you know that God wants it? We have been taught for years that telling God about our anger and our hurt and our disappointment was an assault or a sign against our faith and a lack of gratitude. But the opposite is actually very true. We often pick and choose what parts of the Bible we want to acknowledge. Do we believe that God wants an intimate relationship with us or not? To be intimate, you must bring all of your stuff to him. Once this is done, you will find that when you honestly speak to God, your faith and confidence will increase. You may start with the whys and how could you, and I don't deserve this, but you will end in how awesome and merciful God is. But you have to start there. And oftentimes why it's hard for us to go into worship, why it's often hard for us to maintain that type of relationship with God is because we're faking it with him. We want to act like we're always so happy about what, what's going on in our lives. Or that we're over what was done in the past. And we know good and well, we're still carrying that stuff. And we're rightfully carrying it. We, some people, have been jacked up. Everybody ain't had greatness. 
He would have went through some crazy stuff. And I'm supposed to act like because I finally came to the altar, it's all gone? It's not in my brain anymore? And then if we're going to trust and really believe that God has orchestrated my life, then you're telling me you put that mess in my life and I'm supposed to believe you're awesome and great and wonderful? Well, that's the stuff we don't want to say. That's the stuff we don't want to bring to God. But how will he heal you there if you don't tell him where you need to be healed? If you can't bring up that stuff, if we want to just say, well, Lord, you know what I need. He's like, no, I don't know. You must tell me. Because that's the only way we're going to have intimacy. When will you break the box and say, I am going to lay it all to God? I'm going to tell him about everything. Our lack of trust and faith stops us from pouring out our hearts to God. The opposite of trust is doubt. The opposite of faith is fear. We doubt that God cares and can be trusted with our hurt, shame, and pain. We fear that his word will not be true, and he will abandon us if we're not perfect. So let's take a look at the Psalms. And this is where you will see that when the writers felt abandoned, they told him so. When they were impatient with how slowly God seemed to be moving and answering prayers, they told him so. Because they recognized the difference between themselves and God. They were free to be men and to be honest with their creator. The Psalms started by expressing their feelings and ended up remembering to whom they were speaking. God wants us to learn from every aspect of his word. Even though we are uncomfortable with honesty, lying is very easy to do. And we often lie, we don't even know we're lying. Whenever you act like everything is okay, you're lying. Every time you say, oh, I'm just feeling wonderful with Jesus, you're lying if you're not. If you're mad and a little upset about how the things are going in your world, just go on and be honest. He already know you're mad. Why don't you just tell him? Then maybe he can work it out. Even though we're uncomfortable with honesty, God is not, and he wants it. And although we have much in common with the writers of the Psalms, we differ from them in two ways. One is we don't tell God what we are really thinking and feeling. And therefore, we also do not recognize who is listening to, listening to us and is acquainted and touched by the hurts and our pains. We have got to believe that God is crying with us when we cry. That he feels the pain that we feel. That we really are not in it alone. And though he cannot stop everything that comes in all right, and some people act a fool with us, but he hurts with you. He literally feels it. And he's actually sitting next to you. If you could just open your mind to see him and feel him embrace you when you're in pain. He's there. He didn't walk away. And he's actually crying with you because he said he is acquainted with us. And he feels our infirmities. But you got to believe that he really feels it. On the cross, he did not only feel our sin, but he felt our hurt and our pain. When our names ran across his mind, he knew what we would feel. He felt it. He feels you. 
This is how he is able to cry when you cry. And the second thing that the Psalms different, the writers different from us, is even though there are doubts in the Psalms, they did not stop praying. For their doubts and their faith then prevailed. They had the doubts, they had the whys, but at the end, their faith prevailed. They were not afraid to pour out themselves to their God. The very fact that you were praying to God speaks to the fact that you have some trust in his ability. Even if just a little trust, but it speaks to the fact you have some trust. The fact that you were here says that you have some trust in his ability. That you believe he is a real guy, you just maybe need to meet him one on one. Honesty, honesty, that's what he wants. He wants truth in the inward parts. He said so often to clean out the cup from the inside and then worry about the outside. So I'm gonna go through a few Psalms and show you where the transition happens because there's always a transition. Psalm six. And I'm reading this from some version but I don't remember which one. Not the King James though. So the words may be a little different. It says, please, God, no more yelling, no more trips to the woodshed. Treat me nice for a change. I'm so starved for affection. Can't you see I'm black and blue, beat up badly in bones? And so, God, how long will it take for you to let up? Break in, God, and break up this fight. If you love me at all, get me out of here. I am no good to you dead, am I? I can't sing in your choir if I'm burned in some tune. I'm tired of all this, so tired. My bed has been floating 40 days and nights on the flood of my tears. My mattress is soaked, soggy with tears. The sockets of my eyes are black holes, nearly blind. I squint and grope, yet here's the transition. Get out of here, you devil crew. At last, God has heard my sobs. My requests have all been granted, and my prayers are answered. Cowards, my enemies, disappear. Disgrace, they turn tail and run. Psalms 13. Long enough, God. You've ignored me long enough. I've looked at the back of your head long enough. Long enough, I've carried this ton of trouble, lived with a stomach full of pain. Long enough, my arrogant enemies have looked down their nose at me. Take a good look at me, God, my God. I want you to look life in the eye so no enemy can get the best of me or laugh when I fall on my face. Transition. I throw myself headlong into your arms. I'm celebrating your rescue. I'm singing at the top of my lungs. I'm so full of answered prayers. Psalms 22. So we like the Psalms of Jesus to rejoice. We don't look at the other psalms. We don't concentrate on these. 
but this is the word. He put it in here for a reason. He needs us to learn from this. 22, God, God, my God, why did you dump me miles from nowhere? Doubled up with the pain, I called to God all the day long. No answer, nothing. I keep at it all night, tossing and turning. Now, how many of y'all have been like, where are you? I'm crying, I'm snotting, I'm begging, and you have not shown up. How long are you going to take to come rescue me? I mean, you said for me to pray, and I'm praying, yet you're not here. How much longer are you going to stay away from me, the one who you claim you love? I'll say the stuff y'all don't want to say. And you, are you indifferent above it all? Leaning back on the cushions of Israel's praise, we know you were there for our parents. They cried for your help, and you gave it. They trusted and lived a good life, and here I am, a nothing, an earthworm, something to step on to quash. Everyone pokes fun at me. They make faces at me. They shake their heads. Let's see how God handles this one. Since God likes him so much, let him help him. Now, we didn't told folks how saved we are. Come to my Jesus. Let me tell you about it. And now look at me. I look like I'm beaten down. I've been left alone. And you got folks that, where's your God? I thought he was so lovely. I thought he loved you so much. Why are you going through all that? Do you really know him? Then you got folks in the church that say the same thing to you. But here's the transition. And to think you were midwife at my birth, setting me in my mother's breast. When I left the womb, you cradled me. Since the moment of my birth, you've been my God. This is not a belief. This is a knowing. I can't believe how you are acting, but I know you are God. I know you can help me and cradle me again. So you got to have faith mixed with the doubt. See, we're not all faith. We got a little faith, a little doubt. We go up and down. Sometimes we're like, ooh, I know Jesus is grand. And then sometimes I'm like, ooh, is he? See, that's what you got to take to him. Now, the next Psalms I'm going to read is like the bleakest Psalms because it has no resolution. All the other Psalms end in a resolution. It is the only time that hopeless is found in the Psalms. But even at our weakest state, God wants to know your issues. The one thing we must keep in mind is that grief, depression, hurt, pain, abuse takes time to heal. It is not that you meet God once and it's over with. Okay, instantly I'm going to be healed. You may have to meet him five or six or ten times before that situation is healed. The aim is that you don't stop. Is that I still feel pain, I must take it again. If it's the same pain, I must take it again. And I will take it to you until you let me out of this. I'm going to pray to you until you make this better. So if I have to cry and cry and cry, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to trust with the little bit of trust I have that you're going to come and help me. But the only way he really can do it is if we're honest. 
And you know, you don't have to minimize your stuff. And you don't have to compare. We all got a story. Your story is your story. It don't have to be worse or better than anybody else's story. And it's not about you. We used to say, oh, well, I heard they story. They was way worse than me. Ooh, listen, I didn't go through that. Yeah, you messed up by yours. Who cares if hers is worse? It doesn't matter. It's yours. Think about if your leg is cut off and one broke the leg in the same bed in the hospital. The pain of the man who has a broke leg is his pain. Is he grateful that he got to keep it? Well, I'm sure, but he still has pain. If your mama slapped you five or six times and somebody else got locked up in the chamber, your slaps hurt. They wounded you. That's all that matters. That's what God wants you to bring to him. Tell him. If you're a little disappointed in how the whole thing went down, tell him. He really wants to hear about it. There are times when you do not see the light at the end of the tunnel. It is dark, and it seems dark for forever. And how will I get out of this? But if you can muster up enough faith just to talk to the Lord, you are exhibiting faith. You just can't stop talking to him. No matter what you're saying, just don't stop talking. Keep in mind that this was a good man talking in this. He was not a bad man. He had lived with God. And some of the theologians actually likened him to Christ, cross, uh, to Christ while he was on the cross. In his song to God when he was saying, God, don't forsake me. So this is 88. And hear yourself in this when you've had your darkest times. God, you're my last chance of the day. I spend the night on my knees before you. Put me on your salvation agenda. Take notes on the trouble I'm in. I've had my fill of trouble. I'm camped on the edge of hell. I'm written off as a lost cause. One more statistic, a hopeless case. Abandoned as already dead. One more body in a stack of corpses and not so much as a gravestone. I am a black hole in oblivion. You dropped me into a bottomless pit, sunk me in a pitch black abyss. I'm battered senseless by your rage, relentlessly pounded by your waves of anger. You turned my friends against me, made me horrible to them. I'm caught in a maze and can't find my way out. Blinded by tears of pain and frustration, I call to you, God, all day I call. I wring my hands, I plead for help. Are the dead a live audience for your miracles? Do ghosts ever join the choirs that praise you? Does your love make any difference in a graveyard? Is your faithful presence noticed in the corridors of hell? Are your marvelous wonders ever seen in the dark? Your righteous ways noticed in the land of no memory? I'm standing my ground, God, shouting for help. At my prayers every morning, on my knees each daybreak. Why, God, do you turn a deaf ear? 
Why do you make yourself scarce? For as long as I remember, I've been hurting. I've taken the worst you can hand out, and I've had it. Your wildfire anger has a blaze through my life. I'm bleeding black and blue. You've attacked me fiercely from every side, raining down blows till I am nearly dead. You made me, you made lover and neighbor alike dump me. The only friend I have left is darkness. Wow, that's a hurting man. That's a man in pain. And we've all had an experience where we feel like we're just so close to hell. Like it couldn't get much worse than this. I mean, how are you going to pull me out of this? And when are you going to pull me out of it? He said, for as long as I remember, I've been hurting. There are some people that have been hurting all their life. It seemed like they was born into pain and they still walking in it. And yet to be delivered, and yet to be healed. And then we get in the cycle of messing up our own lives because we got so much pain that we won't take to God. So then I start acting out in ways. And then I feel like, well, how can I come to God now? Because I didn't mess up. I know I didn't feel short like so many times. So how can I now come to you and say, well, when are you going to do something? When are you going to take this away? When I know a part of me has brought on some of the pain. But if we could go back just a little further, and if we could realize what germinated all of this pain, and why I'm acting out, and why I feel like I'm a nothing, and why I keep running to every avenue I can to find somebody to love me, to find something to appease me, because that's why we sin often. It is just trying to find love that I can touch. So I drink because it eases the pain. And I get high because I don't have to think about it right now. And I start sexing because at that moment, it's all gone. It's not that I really wanna hurt Jesus. It's just that I can't get this off of me. So I've got to do something right now to alleviate this kind of pain because it's too much for me. But he needs you, in spite of the mess we've done, to still take it to him and say, you said that you could keep me from falling. Show me why I keep falling. See, we've got to be able to pinpoint why I sin. What makes me get drawn to that thing? It's only about one or two that we trip up with. We ain't doing the whole gamut of the sins. We got one or two that we just keep falling. Lord, why that keep coming back in my life? You need to try to throw it away and say no more, but it's them one or two. Just keep just slapping me. Why that? Show me. Stop the, we're going to just stop. I ain't going to do it no more. No, let's figure it out. Lord, take me on a journey to show me why this sin appeases me so much. Now show me then how you can take this sin that gives me this amount of pleasure and you're going to give it to me by you just being you. Show me how you're going to do that. If I'm into sex, how are you going to appease me that way? 
If I need to drink, how are you going to take away that high and replace it with just you being Jesus and you all the way up there? Realness is what he needs. Because the only way he can show you how awesome and grand he is is that if you come to him with the realness. I got issues here and there. I don't know how to like nobody. Everybody's against me. Don't nobody love me. I'm not good enough for nobody. Everybody's going to betray me and disappoint me. Nobody's going to love me. All that stuff is false. That's not who God created us to be. He created us to be grand. I want you guys to step into your grandness. Stop living so small. But the only way you gain that grandness is that you start at the bottom and you let Jesus work you back up. Get broken before him. Take him all your stuff. Now this is what we really want when we pray to God. And this is Psalms 119. And this is 169 through 175. Let me cry, come right into your presence, God. Provide me with the insight that comes only from you. Give me my request, your personal attention. Rescue me on the terms of your promise. Let praise cascade off my lips. After all, you've taught me the truth about life. And let your promises ring from my tongue. Every order you've given is right. Put your hand out and steady me, since I've chosen to live by your counsel. I'm homesick, God, for your salvation. I love it when you show yourself. Invigorate my soul so I can praise you well. Use your decrees to put iron in my soul. And I should wander off like a lost sheep. Seek me. If you see me running away, Jesus, could you come get me? Because I may stumble off from the where I'm supposed to be. But can you just run after me and grab me back? I'll recognize the sound of your voice. But the only way you'll recognize it is if you heard it before. You got to know his voice to be able to recognize it when we stumble away. And remembering our stumbling away is not always those overt sins. When I get a little apathy for God, when I'm just like I could take it or leave it, when I'm content not really feeling his presence, I've stepped away. It's backslidden. I've stepped back from the place I'm supposed to be. We get so caught up in just the sins, but it's the heart that he's really looking at too. So where is your heart? I mean, really, are you into the man? Only you can answer that. Or does it just feel like you should? I should be feeling him. You know, you try to make yourself feel him. But where is he? He's only coming where he knows he's wanted. You may not feel him because you really don't want him. You may not want to say that, but he knows. So you need to transform your own self and say, okay, where am I with this? Can I get back to where I want to be? Or better yet, forget to get back. Can I get where I've never been? Because sometimes we're so occupied on can I get back to when I first got, when I first believed. 
Take me back there, Lord. No, you don't need to go back there. You need to keep pushing forward. We don't want to go back. I'm glad you was there. I'm glad you felt it once upon a time. Now you need to feel something different. Because a lot of stuff has transpired since your first introduction. So if you go back there, then you're negating everything that you've been through. So let's get to where I can be right now. We get, you know, so like, oh, if I can just feel that again. When I first got saved, then I'm going to be okay. You're not going to feel that again. Why you want to get stuck there? That was the beginning. You've been with them 10, 12 years. Why are you still trying to get back there? We should be moving, growing, expounding. Not staying just the same. Let his, your encounters with him be magnified. Be different than what you've ever felt from him before. He really will do it. The more you cry out to God, the more you will be able to hear his voice. You got to be still, though. Shut out everything. Turn off the music. Turn off the TV. Don't have anybody in your presence. You need to just be with Jesus sometimes. Very quiet space because he doesn't shout. He's a nice, quiet, still voice. You got, and when you first start hearing him, you're going to think it's not him. Because we're so not used to hearing Jesus talk to us individually. We have so given that to everybody else. Listen, for, ask God to just speak. Show me how you speak to me. And he's going to talk to you in your personality. What he gives me is not how he's going to talk to somebody else. He honors that. He talks to me the same way I talk to him. You know, I'm not that eloquent. So he don't be coming trying to be all eloquent with me because what you talking about? Then I would say that's definitely not Jesus because he would talk to me the way I need to hear it. Um, I need very plain stuff. I told him I'm not that bright, so bring it on. Show me right where I'm at. Make it very simple. But we'd be wanting him to be like the King James Version of the Bible, the author and all that. He ain't talking to y'all like that. That was their language back then. So however you are is how he's going to minister to you. Listen for that. Trust that he wants to speak to you. The first few times he speaks to you, you're going to be like, was that Jesus? No. You sure? Write it down so you can go back and see how he really will fulfill it. Remember, and he doesn't speak often in giving you a whole story and a whole paragraph. He's just giving you little stuff. Will you hold on to that? Little sentences to tell you I'm here. I hear you. I see you. But listen for it. And stop needing everybody else to talk for Jesus. Let him talk to you. Even when we feel disconnected and feel God cannot be around, we must always remember that he cannot leave us. The more you cry out, the more trust you will gain the more your faith will increase. No matter where we go, he cannot leave us. He doesn't leave when we leave him, contrary to what we believe. We just shut his voice out. But he's right there with us, because he can't go nowhere. He wants you so deeply. He wants you to feel his arms wrapped around you. 
Let your pain point you to worship. Instead of running from the pain, embrace it. It is a part of who you are. Stop pushing it away. We are so uncomfortable with feeling bad. We're so scared to sit with the pain. Because what do I do with it when I'm just sitting with it? Is it going to crush me? Is it going to overbear me where I can't get back up? No. You got to honor yourself. That's your true emotion. That's what went on in your life. Honor it. And then let God meet you there. See, oftentimes we got to go back to that age where the pain happened. And we don't want to do that. Because what's the point? It already happened. It's over with. Why are we bringing that up? Because you're still carrying it. That's why we're bringing it up. It ain't over. No matter how much you want to say, let it go. It's over. No. You can scream that all night long, and it's not going to happen. You must be healed. Healing has to occur for that to get better. Don't run from God when you're in despair. Run to him. Some things can only be learned through suffering. But if you can't acknowledge what you've been through and experience that pain, you will not learn a lesson. Remember, good pain always teaches us. Some pain is good because we've got to learn. And sometimes that's the only way for God to really open up our eyes to see how grand he really is. If you learn nothing, then your pain has been in vain. Don't let the pain be in vain. It hurt too much. Get something from it. Learn something from it. Take, if you got to be just picking up a little piece of grain saying, get something from that pain. Because you don't want it to be in vain. Some things, again, I'm sorry about that. Um, but your pains are there to drive you to God. But we make it drive us away from God. Because we're like, God, why'd you do that? Why would you do that? Why would you take that person? Why would you leave me here? I mean, when my mother died, I, oh my God, we fussed. You're going to have to. I remember one night laying on the floor crying, and I said, you tell me how you're going to embrace me like she embraced me. How will I smell her sin again? You can't do that from up there. There's no way. You show me how you're going to do that for me. Because all that, you your mother when your mother listen, and all that. Man, please. Are you serious? You want me to believe that and hold on to that? And I'm left here by myself? Mm-mm. That I will tell you he has showed out for me. Oh, my God. I never thought I would know him like this. I never thought that he could love me the way he has loved me. And then without a doubt, I mean, do I miss her? Yeah. Well, I have a hole always. And I'm okay with the hole now. I'm okay with the hole. I can live with the hole because I know he will carry me. I know that. I mean, it's not fake or nothing. I know he loves me more than I could ever imagine how much he loves me. And it was because I laid out in front of him and I said, you're going to have to do something so deep for me. You're going to have to prove yourself. I get who you say you are, and I get I'm supposed to just lay in that and be okay, but that's not going to work for me. 
if you really want me, then you're going to have to do something for me. This is how I got here today. Because trust, I wouldn't be doing this. This is no design of my own. But this is God. And if I can give a light to somebody else, to say in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the despair, he really will be there. But you've got to run to him. Say whatever you need to say. I told him one day in the car, if you loved me, why would you do it? I get she's in heaven having a lovely time, but if you knew that what kind of pain that would put in my heart, how is that love? How is it that you love me extravagantly when you could do that to me? Didn't, didn't my pain not matter? Did it not matter to you that I would be broken like this? And he had to show me that it's not just about you. And I was a little upset when he said that because I thought that was pretty rude <laughs> when I'm sitting here crying. And, you know, I didn't think that was the right words that he should speak. But uh, <laughs> I, I was like, really? Another word? I knew that wasn't me talking. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to have a serious pity party, and he kind of cut that. But, I mean, this is how he works. I mean, it's all of it you got to lay. When I realized that in the first relational math class, if you guys haven't taken it, please take it. It will show you something about yourself you never knew. But... In the first reading, it gives you like your core beliefs. And the first one is God can't be trusted. And either the Bible is not real or something like that. Some, you don't believe the Bible either. And I said, okay, well, that's rude to say to somebody. And I put the book down because I said it hit me. That's what it was. And I said, well, that's a bunch of junk. You can't be telling people that. And... uh I picked it back up, and I, when I began to really realize, I don't trust you. Hmm. Wow, I really don't trust you. And I don't believe the Bible. Because if I leave out portions of it, that means I don't believe it, because either all of it's God's word or it's not. Period. So I don't believe the Bible either. So that's where we're going to start. I don't trust you, and I don't believe the word. Wow, what do I have? <laughs> and I'm supposedly saved. Really? But from there is when he opened up stuff to me. See, I need you to get it, not from me. I need you to get it for you. I want you to have your own personal journey with God. With valleys and peaks and all the beauty wonder that goes around a journey. Don't let it be just this one straight path. Walk with him. He's going to take you into some places. And show out in a way that you're like, really? Is it like this for real? This is who you said you are? I can live like this? I mean, do mess happen? Yeah. But you have this assurance now that I really can't be shaken because I got somebody holding me. And when I battled with my fear, which was my sin that would have taken me to hell, taken me to hell if I had not got it together because I have been afraid all my life 
You got fear of Jesus because you're going to hell. Fear, 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 fear has completely changed my whole world around. Afraid somebody's going to die. Afraid somebody's going to leave. Afraid that I'm going to get sick. Afraid everything. Nothing was peaceful in me because I'm just scared. And he told me, you, you, you don't know the love because the perfect love cast out the fear. But it took me forever to release it. I mean, I cried and cried, and I was like, where are you? And I mean, the first time I really felt complete silence from God. And I was really, really saying I don't want it no more. I mean, crying, crying, crying. And I'm like, and he's like, mm-mm. You don't really believe that? Because what, the next week you picked it right back up again. See, I knew you didn't really believe it. Now you keep crying. Come to me one more time. Now, mind you, it took me almost a year with the fear thing to finally release it. And then he finally spoke to me, you were free. No more torment. A whole year. And I kept saying, why do I have to keep going through this? I mean, get your mind, my mind is something else. I can create. You tell me one little nugget, and I have a whole story going. When my husband used to work nights, I, he used to find me sitting on the steps in tears. If he was a little late, I would think he was dead. I had written the obituary. I had the list out. I mean, I know you probably thought, this chick is crazy. Did you think that? You didn't. But, um, and I mean, I would do it all the time. And it was like, good God. If I have a pain in my foot, oh, God, I'm going to get it amputated. If, you know, if I have a headache, oh, I got a cancer in my brain. It's just nothing will stop. And I couldn't stop. Literally, I would be up all night thinking all night of every negative thing that could come my way. That is not Jesus. He would not, he is not abiding in me the way he needs to abide when I am that riddled with fear. That's not Jesus. So I had to purge that out of me. I mean, it was a purging. I had to really puke that out. It was a violent because I had comfort in being scared. I had comfort in creating chaos in my mind. And no one knew about it. And until I was able to start releasing it. And I started by telling him every morning when I would be up all night. Dang. I was thinking about it, and he'd just be like, really? Because he don't have that problem. So it's like, huh? And I mean, I could go. And then just the other week, he finally spoke to me, the Jesus, and said, perfect look. What? Oh, the Jesus. That's my name for him, Mr. Jesus. Um, he finally spoke to me that you got the love, for perfect love has casted out your fear. Oh, now I can't even, I mean, a what? Really? See, now that scripture's real for me. See, we don't have to fake like we get it all. We don't. That's what I'm saying. Just choose two or three scriptures that could be profound. You can just carry with that until you get that. Work on the love stuff. Because the love stuff is where we got to be with him. 
If we can grab the love and how much he loves us, our lives will be different. So when you go and you're trying to study, work on love. Lord, show me how much you love me. Help me believe that kind of thing. So, as you guys know, well, some of y'all don't know, but I always have assignments because I figure people have to learn. It has to be an active participant. So what I want you to do is write your own psalms. I need you to be able to talk to Jesus. We'll have a little music going while you're talking to him. But we're going to talk to him. And you see, the directions are very, very simple. I just want you to talk about your honest, heartfelt emotions, regardless if it feels right or not. Now, remember, when you first start talking to God about the depths of your honesty, it seems wrong. You feel a little guilty. If you trust me just a little bit that I wouldn't lead you in the wrong place, <laughs> go with it. You will see that even if you don't find it today, Tonight, in the next week, you will find the mercy of God. Because you can't be afraid to cry and scream before the Lord. Some stuff is deep in us. Sometimes you got to be at home and you just scream it out. It ain't just little stuff all the time. Will you lay out before him? Will you give him all of you? Because if you say you want to experience God like never before, you got to step in an area you never stepped in before. 